Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you hear this message from Pastor Josh Thompson. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. I uh, was so pumped to hear we started our 8.30 Family Center service today, first time, and I heard there were just over 100 people in there today. That is amazing, right? It made, made room in this room, there's room in that room, and uh, I want to just welcome all of our 10.30 Family Center friends right now. Come on, guys, give them a, a warm welcome. We're glad you're here. I have to tell you, I spent the first 10 or 15 minutes of worship in the Family Center, and the worship in the Family Center was on fire. It was good. Same God, same presence, same, same everything, just different rooms, right? So I encourage you, if you've not tried out our family center, you should try it out. It's, it's wonderful. You just get to see the preaching on the screen. It's really the only difference. So it's, it's a part of what we're doing to make room for all that God is doing. God is doing amazing stuff. You know, we've had record attendance in the last month. It's been so wild to see the many, many people that God is bringing to hope. And there is a hunger in people. Some people don't even know what they're hungering for, but there is a hunger. And I believe that God has called us to be his heart in the city. Amen. I'm so excited for it. Well, this morning, I want to uh, just kind of start out and maybe, have you ever had dessert before the meal? It's so awesome, right? (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I just want to give a little free dessert out before the meal. Is that okay? And uh, I, I want to remind every believer this morning who you are. And I want to just take a minute to remind and encourage every seeker, if you're seeking to know the Lord, who you can be out of Ephesians chapter 2. And it's, it's this, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's who we were, right? Like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Come on. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus, Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How many are thankful for all this today? Come on. Church, this is who we were. We were dead in sin. We were dead in sin. We used to live in the passions of our flesh. We used to just do whatever we wanted to do whenever we wanted to do it. My voice got really high there. (laughs) That's who we were. Whenever we felt like doing something, we just did whatever our flesh said. But God, everybody say, but God, in his immense mercy and incredible love. Yeah, I I was, it was just the but God part. That's okay. (laughs) 
Sorry. But God, <laughs> and his, this is just me now. I'm a choir director again. Yeah. He embraced us. He loved us. He adopted us. He called us sons and daughters. Even while we were sinners, he called us. He died. He gave his life for us. Even when we were a mess. Gave us eternal life. It was all his doing. Guess what? It isn't your doing. You can't earn it. You didn't save yourself. He did all the saving. It's not a result of our works. So there's no boasting. (laughs) Our salvation is a gift. There's no earning it. It's free. Jesus laid down his life. He gave it up freely. So I want to make this really clear. We don't earn it through good works. But guess what? Now, because of it, we get to spend the rest of our days releasing good works. You are created in Christ Jesus. We just read it for good works. You're his workmanship. Other translations say you're his masterpiece. Turn to somebody and say, you looking good. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> you're looking good. You're his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. And guess what? You are created to do good. You're you're created to do good because he dreamt up good for you. He's been dreaming up good for you to do. When he made you, he literally had you in mind and he designed you to do good works. He designed you to do things that you could never do on your own. I actually believe that when you were in your mother's womb, that there were things that he was dreaming up about you, that literally you're the only one on the planet that's going to be able to do those things. There are kingdom works. There are God-given works that were put in you that you get to dig out and begin to release that only you can release. And they're kingdom things. So Paul says that to the Ephesians. And then a few books later, in Colossians, he has this unbelievable prayer in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. And I just want to read it for you today. It's such a powerful prayer. He says, I pray that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a good prayer. You're so quiet. That's a good prayer. Could I just pray that over us as we begin this morning? Would you just lift your hands up just even as an act of just receiving it? Father, I pray in this room that we would be a people that walk in a manner worthy of the Lord that we would be a people that walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work of our lives, and that we would be those that increase in the knowledge of God. And I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So now we're going to sit down for the meal. You had the dessert early. I think there's still some dessert, though. How many like dessert? Yeah, everybody likes some kind of dessert. All right, it's not the point. You know, it, when you preach a couple of services, it's just like, it, it's like having this same conversation again. I want to be, be with you, you know? Like I want to be fresh with you. How many want me to be fresh? Okay, good. <laughs> Okay, let's get to it, Josh. Here we go. We're going to spend our our morning in John chapter 15. Uh, And in this passage, 
Um, Jesus is teaching and he's talking to his disciples. And most scholars believe that, that, that this, this passage, chapter 15, took place on the night that he was betrayed. Kind of like at the close of the Last Supper, he began to, to teach and to share this. And in the, in the chapter that leads up to this, chapter 14, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's, he says, hey, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And that not only the works that I do, he says, you're actually going to do greater works than these. Because I'm going to my father. So he's giving him a heads up. He says, I'm going to my father, but the father's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then the spirit is actually going to, is going to teach you all things. And he's actually going to bring to remembrance to you everything that I've taught you. So he's, he's setting them up. He's equipping the disciples for what's coming. How many say it's good to be equipped for what's coming? It's good to be equipped. So we could say that John 15 is actually kind of a part of his farewell sermon to the disciples. Because his betrayal, his arrest, his death is just right around the corner. And Jesus knows what's coming. And he's preparing them with these final words that he gives them in John 15. So that's the backdrop of where we're jumping in. So we're going to read the, be in the first eight verses of John 15, and I'd like for us to read them actually aloud today together. They'll be on the screen. John 15, starting with verse 1, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Can we just pause a minute? Can we say that one again? For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If anything, anyone, hold on. Choir director made a mistake. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I think the reading the word out loud together is a powerful thing, isn't it? It's the word of God. So I want to just spend the next few minutes unpacking this like verse by verse. So what he set up here and what he said is that Jesus is the vine and that, that God, the Father, is the vine dresser. Other versions say gardener. Other versions say farmer. And we are the branches. So turn to somebody and say, you're a branch. You're a branch. And he says this, he says, in every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, when I was young, and I read this and I studied this, I used to think that that meant like, when there's no fruit in your life, you're out of here. 
You get, you're, you're like, he's killing you. You're gone. No fruit. You're gone. And, uh, I, I don't know why, but I grew up and I remember, it's so funny. 1988, there was this book out called 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. And there was like this three or four day window. And guys, I was like 10 years old and I don't know why, but I was so afraid that I would miss the rapture. And there was just all this fear, right? So I'd get up every morning and be like, mom and dad, making sure that they were still there. There just was like this like fear, like, did I miss it? And so I don't know, I'd read this verse and I'd be like, I got to bear fruit or I'm like out of here. He's taking me away, you know, or everybody else is going away and I'm not going, you know, have you ever lived with that kind of fear? Okay. Just me. Awesome. That's great. So, so, you know, when I was young, I used to think that that's what that was. But what I found out is that that isn't actually what it means. That the Greek there for, for takes away actually means he lifts up. He lifts up. He props up. So in other words, the branches that aren't bearing fruit, he will lift them up so that they don't trail to the ground and set their roots in the wrong places. The father will... Not let that, that branch go, go down to the ground and get kind of in the muck of things and in the dirt and in the, in all the, in all the, the yuck. He, he's going to prop it up so that they get the air and the sunshine that they need. He lifts them up so that they can have a chance to properly develop. And in doing so, he positions that non-fruit bearing branch to bear fruit. Come on, that's good. That's good. That's good. He's so good. He's so kind. He's so caring. How many of us have ever been down in the dirt with our roots beginning to form in the wrong places before? How many were thankful that the, for the father's care, for the father's lifting your branch up? You know, I was thinking about this too. It's kind of a, kind of a side note the other day that if, if this is how the father takes care of the branches, then this should be how we take care of the branches too. Like, if this is how Jesus and the Father take care of branches, then this is how he takes models, how he takes care of people, then this is how we should care for people as well. When we see somebody lacking fruit, you know, when we see somebody who's, who's kind of messing up, we shouldn't cut them off, we shouldn't kick them out, but we should posture ourselves. Our posture should be, hey, I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to, I want to like care for you. Let me, let me help prop you up instead of tearing you down. I want to like prop you up so you get the air and the sunshine that you need. I want to help you bear fruit. That's how our father does that. That's, that's how he is. And that's how we get to be as well. We see it all through the gospels, the example of Jesus doing this. You know, I just, there's so many stories we could use, but you even think about the woman caught in adultery. You know, everybody wanted to throw her out and kill her. But Jesus, he doesn't do that. He like actually, he props her up and says, hey, go and sin no more. Like, hey, go, go bear fruit. He props her up. He gives her another chance to bear fruit. When everybody else didn't want to give her another chance, it was over. 
And I I was thinking about how many times the disciples messed up over as you read through the Gospels. Man, they messed up. So many moments where those disciples were not bearing fruit. And he didn't discard them. He believed in them in the midst of their mess-ups. He lifted them up, and he actually empowered those disciples even more. He helped position them to bear fruit. Those guys did a lot of stupid stuff. They, they, the, the disciples, they, there was a few of them that were like really saying some stuff. I mean, they were, they were saying things that were not cool, ridiculous things, trying to call fire down from heaven on people and just all sorts of stuff that Jesus is like, hey, that's not the way. But, but what he did was he didn't discard them. He looked at them and said, I can see that there's going to come fruit from your life, so I'm going to prop you up. All through the, the Gospels, we see these, these moments where the disciples like, like messed up and said ridiculous things. But then what happens is that all in the book of Acts, as we've seen, they start bearing this unbelievable fruit. These guys actually then change the world. I want to suggest to you today that some of the biggest world changers around us may be those that are bearing no fruit right now. And what they need to be is propped up by us instead of tore down and discarded. Did you hear me? I believe that there are unbelievable world changers around us, even in this room, around you, in your life, people that are going to become something. And if we discard them, if we ignore them, we will miss what God is going to do because there's great fruit and they need us to prop them up. Amen? So he says, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he lifts up. And then what he says is that in every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. (laughs) So you're bearing fruit. Guess what? You're getting pruned. You're not doing so good. You get propped up. You're doing good. He's going to cut you. (laughs) He's like, what makes you think I won't cut you? I don't know where that came from, but I heard it once. Don't judge. But we often think of pruning as bad. We often think of pruning as a bad thing. But pruning in the kingdom is a good thing. Pruning in the kingdom is not punishment. It's a sign of growth. It's a sign of greater increase that's actually coming. If you're growing, you're getting pruned. And if you continue to bear fruit, it's a continual pruning. It's not a one or a two-time pruning. It's a continual pruning. If you're growing, if you're bearing fruit, then pruning is the reward of your growth. Why? So you can bear even more fruit. How many want to bear fruit today? I know you do. You see, kingdom, the kingdom of God, it's always increasing. It's always growing. It's always advancing. And it's the same for us. We don't get to stay where we are. We don't get to stay where we are. We get to grow, and then we get to bear more fruit. And then we get pruned, and then we get cut back. And maybe you won't look so beautiful in a certain season because you got cut back. Maybe you'll be frustrated because you thought, man, I was like really looking good over there. I was flowing in all that stuff. And all of a sudden the Lord's like, I'm going to prune you a bit, cut you back. And then you're like, whoa, what happened? I don't look so beautiful. 
Lord's like, I'm pruning you. I'm cutting you back so that what's coming is going to be beyond what you've ever been a part of. And so you got to get pruned in order to walk into the next thing because his kingdom is increasing and our fruit is to be increasing as well. I was actually going to preach really quiet today. I told myself, Josh, just be, and here I am sweating and everything. I can't help it. I'm so sorry. But this is how the kingdom advances, not through sweat. The kingdom advances. <laughs> the kingdom advances through the fruit that you bear. I mean, if the disciples hadn't been bearing fruit in the book of Acts, then I don't know what would have happened. But he chose them to bear much fruit. They began to bear fruit and the world has changed because of it. And it still continues. Pruning is good. Say it with me. Pruning is good. It's a sign that increase is coming. It's a sign that increase is coming. That greater fruitfulness is coming in the midst of your pruning. Verse 3. Jesus said, already you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. In other, word, the, in other words, the word of the Lord prunes, it cleans. The words of Jesus have pruned the disciples over and over and over again as they have walked with him. And we, and we know that they'll be pruned again. You think just in a little bit, Peter's going to deny Jesus three times and then he's going to need some more pruning. And then look at all the, all the beauty that comes from his life. Jesus, verse 4, he says this, is so powerful. He says, abide in me. Here he gives the key, the secret. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I love how the Passion Translation says it. It's so good. It should be on the screen behind me. It says, so you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Come on. So good. Jesus is giving us, he's given the disciples really the key to bearing fruit. He's given us a simple fruit-bearing key. And I believe it's actually the key to all of life. Really, he's saying, guys, you have to remain in life giving union with me and I'll remain in life union with you. Other translations say, abide in me. They say, stay joined with me. They say, remain in me. What is he talking about here? He's talking about continual connection. He's talking about continual awareness of him in all of life. He's talking about practicing the presence of God, a prioritization of the connection with Jesus above every other connection. He's talking about a prioritization of the connection with Jesus above every other connection in our lives. You know, we're so connected in life, aren't we? We're so connected. You think through social media, it's like so weird. Like I know what some of you had for dinner last night. So weird, social media, right? Like I know about like vacations people had that I've never even met. 
And I think about those vacations. Sometimes I want to go with them. But then that'd be really weird, because I don't know them. See, even crazier is like, I, like we're so connected. I can, I can like find out the most, like all the, in, so much information just, just by connecting with a girl named Siri. Some of you don't get it. It's an Apple thing. It's wild. It's amazing, right? Like texts and emails and all the things. It's so easy to know so much about so much. And yet Jesus right here, he's just, he's just saying to us, there's really only one thing that you really need to stay continuously connected to. And it's me. It's me. What if we made our continuous connection with him more important to us than our continuous connection to Wi-Fi? Whoa. Come on. Uh, easy. Easy now. <laughs> I use Wi-Fi every day, so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Wi-Fi, but like we moved to the country once and there wasn't Wi-Fi for days and I thought we were going to like die. You know what I'm talking about? Like what if we made our connection with him even more of a priority than our connection with Wi-Fi or Facebook or Instagram and all those things are imp- they're great. They're awesome. I'm not preaching against them. It's just about the prioritization. It's about the prioritization. Wi-Fi is important, but it's not even close to this connection that we're talking about here. What would happen if we prioritized our continuous connection, our continuous awareness with him above any other connection? The truth is, what if what we're actually really longing for What our heart is really craving when we're trying to make all these other connections isn't those connections. What if what our heart is really longing for is this one connection? This one thing. What if the fruit that you know deep down within you that's supposed to come from your life, the things that are supposed to come that only you are going to bring forth aren't coming because the connection isn't there. Because the abiding isn't there. And you've been trying to make all these other connections. You've been striving here and striving there and busy here and running there. And you've been trying to connect on all these places. But the connection that you really need is found on your knees. Church, I, I as I've been just these last weeks and months, I've just been hearing him. I, I feel like he's just calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us to come away with him. He's calling us as as his sons and daughters to a new place of intimacy and abiding in him so that we can bear more fruit. Because the truth is that the severed branch will bear no fruit. I meant to bring a branch this morning and I completely forgot. But if I brought a branch that I had pulled from the vine at my house today, and I've got plenty of them, and I laid it here, I don't care how much I prayed for it over time, it's going to die. I don't care what I declare over it, it's going to die if it's separated from the vine. There's nothing going to happen. What if the fruit that you know is to come from your life is not going to come unless you remain connected? The severed branch will bear no fruit. We were created, church, to bear fruit. It's in our DNA. We just read that earlier. There are God dreams inside of us. There are dreams in us to change the world. 
Why do little kids want to be superheroes? Because it's in us from the beginning. We want to save people. We want to like change the world. It's in us. It's from the Lord. There are dreams in us, I believe. In this room, people in this room are going to change society. You're going to change the fabric of things. Some of you have the, the dreams of God and the fruit of God that's in you waiting to come out that literally have the answers to society's problems. But the severed branch will bear no fruit. And will be fruitless. Will be fruitless without being intimately connected and joined to him. Because here's the deal. Everything comes from being out of it, being attached. Everything comes from being attached. It's called abiding in the vine. It's called abiding in the vine. So Jesus says in verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Can we say much fruit? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Passion Translation says it like this. I'm the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. Whew, that sounds good. But when you live separated from me, it says you're powerless. It's a picture, a beautiful picture. Church, listen, this is the way to fruitfulness, union with Jesus. Union with him, living in that place of continual awareness of him, that continual connection with him as the source. And what happens out of that is that you bear fruit and then you bear more fruit and then you bear much fruit. And oh, you're propped up and you're pruned in between, but more fruit and more fruit and more fruit keeps coming. And it becomes like a river flowing out of you. How many want a river of life flowing out of you? That wherever you go, literally it flows out of you. When we're in continual connection, and I'm going to keep saying this, in awareness of his presence, when we're attached to the vine, you're going to know what to say when you need to say it. You're going to know what you need to do when you need to do it. You're actually going to know things that you need to do without even specifically praying about them because you've been so attached to the vine. It's just, you're just going to know. Have you ever experienced that before? Things you didn't even pray about specifically. You're going to have the clarity and the understanding on because you have been with him. Because you have been connected with him. When you hear the voices of the stranger, when the voice of fear comes, the voice of shame comes, the voice of self-hatred or isolation come, you're going to recognize him and say, no way, Jose. You're going to or whatever. No way. You're going to say, no way. That's not the voice of my father. I'm out of here because I've been abiding and I know his voice now. And his voice doesn't sound like that. His voice does not sound like that. You're going to recognize them. You're going to turn away. When that person that that challenges you so much and makes you so mad that you want to scream and yell, you're going to bear fruits of kindness and self-control because you've been with Jesus. I'm not saying that when you're with Jesus, you never want to do those things. 
But I believe that over time, less and less and less, you want to do those things because you've been with him so much that they go away and you're so connected to him that the life of the spirit has flown through your life so much. But apart from him, it says you're powerless. What's interesting is this isn't just something that Jesus is telling his disciples. It's something that he's lived out before his disciples. Ten chapters earlier, he says this. He says, hey, this, the son can do nothing of his own accord except that which his father is doing. So Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And he's modeling the way for his disciples. He's saying, even I don't do anything apart from my father. And now I'm calling you to abide in me. And we're going to do this together. He's talking about a total dependence. He's talking about a surrender. He's talking about a way of life, of abiding in him. I couldn't do it on my own, except what my father's doing. It's like Jesus is, you know, in this, right after this last supper, he's like, hey guys, do what I did. Live continually abiding in this vine. Because you're going to have what you need to bear the fruit that you're called to bear. You know, the kingdom of God is, is connection. The kingdom of God is, is Father, Son, Holy Spirit in relationship, in connectivity. You live in life union with me and you're going to bear much fruit. It's going to flow from you. I was thinking sin and, and the obvious stuff aren't the only things that cause disconnection. I believe equally and sometimes less obvious, the busy, busy, busy can equally bring detachment from the vine. And this is where I turn the sermon towards myself. And I start really, I I just, the Lord's just really been speaking to me about this, this busy, nonstop living, this busy, nonstop connectedness to all these other things will stop the flow of fruitfulness from within. Sure, you might be making stuff happen. We can make stuff happen, right? We can make it happen. It might even seem like really good stuff, but it might not be what the father's up to. And I want to be up to what the Father's up to. I don't want to be just up to what Josh is doing because Josh can make some things happen, but, it, but it, it, it's, it's not going to be what the fruit that the Father's looking for. It might, be, it might be activity and it might be stuff moving and shaking and happening, but it's, it may not be what he's up to and it may be far below the quality of fruit that the Father has in mind for you. I believe that there's some things that you will only release in your life. Well, anything comes through him, but there are certain things that will only come through this place of abiding that you will not release unless you are abiding in him. Amen? Some fruit will come, but much fruit only comes through abiding. And he goes on with these last few verses. He says, if anybody does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. By this, my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Hmm. Jesus is saying, abide in me. He's saying, make your home 
in me. He's saying, dwell in me. Church, I hear the Father saying that to us today. Come away with me. Spend time with me. Come and be with me right in the middle of your workday. Turn to me. I hear him saying, turn your affections to me in the middle of your crazy life. Right there in the middle of that meeting. Right there in the middle of that, 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 that office that you're in. Just turn your affections to me. Because I want you to love me with all your heart. I want you to love me with all your soul. I want you to love me with all your mind. And I tell you, as we turn to him, your thoughts are going to change. Your words are going to change. I believe everything's going to change. I was thinking about this so much this last week that in my early 20s, the Lord just encountered my heart in such a radical way that I was just never the same. And I, can, I was a single worship pastor for like seven years. And I can remember, I, uh, I can remember, I just wanted to be with the Lord. So I'd like go back to my apartment, my duplex, and I just like lay on the floor and just be with the Lord for like hours and hours and hours and have these friends like that. I always want to hang out and sometimes I would, but, but honestly, I didn't even like really want to hang out. I just wanted to go hang out with him. And that, those early days set a foundation in my life that wrecked me for the ordinary and for the years to come. Now, you know, you start having children and a wife and then they keep you from the Lord. I'm kidding. She's not here. Olivia is, though. She keeps me from the Lord. No. You know what I mean, though. I remember when we had Olivia like 15 years ago, she had colic. And I remember like I would go up to my prayer room every morning for like a long time. And she, this baby wasn't sleeping at all. And so my wife's like up all night. And I'm like, hey, uh, I can't help out. I got to go be with the Lord. Uh, no. That worked for about five seconds. And so my relationship with the Lord changed. And I began to rock her and be with the Lord. In the middle of her screaming, I was just being with the Lord. And then, you know, as you get older, you have more responsibilities. And then your time with the Lord changes how you do it. I mean, yes, you got to have alone time with the Lord, I think, every day. But I believe what he's calling us to is a coming away to be with him right in the midst of activity right in the midst of what you're doing, right in the midst of all the craziness of your life. You don't have to go to a monastery for a few days and you don't have to have a sabbatical necessarily. You can turn your affections to him right in the middle of wherever you are. And that's what I believe he's calling us to, church. I believe God is calling hope to some amazing things. We're already seeing amazing things. I believe that we're gonna see cancer blown away. I believe that we're going to see people come in here and find Jesus. I believe we're going to grow beyond anything we've ever imagined. I mean, I think we're going to see some wild supernatural stuff, church. But I want to tell you this. It's not going to come any other way than through intimately being joined to him. It's all going to be rooted in relationship. It's all going to be rooted in abiding. It's going to come from a people that have decided to stay continually connected and continually aware. And church, I just want to say this, and I'm saying this to myself. I believe that we are in a time where we have got to 
resist busy, busy, busy. And sometimes we think we're so busy, but we could set our phone down. I heard, I hear an amen every, a few. Pastor Gary would say, oh my. Like, I, I, I mean, we, we could. Like we've been trying to do this in our home. I'm like, actually, we don't have to be connected right now to that. We could set it down. I think everybody will be okay. Like, just set my phone down and let's just be together and be with him. Because here's the thing, when we're constant, it sounds like I'm preaching against devices. I'm not. I'm like on my device all the time. And I need to be a lot of the time. But there's sometimes we don't need to be. And here's what happens. When you're taking up your spare time doing that, you lose the connection that could just be your thoughts and your daydreaming with the Lord. Right? Like maybe you need to turn that preaching podcast off and just ride in your car with Jesus. <laughs> Let him talk to you. I didn't, this is all free. I didn't do this in the 830. Just receive that. Let's all stand together this morning.